Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. All right, Tony, it's good to be back with you. How are you, my friend? I've been doing really well in the last uh, maybe three minutes since we recorded the last podcast. That's good, man. I'm glad. I'm glad nothing <laughs> happened in that time frame. Too. Have you been paying attention to uh, the end of the baseball season and this kind of stuff? I have. Uh, so, you know, I kind of benched my Orioles uh, team much like they should bench all their players. Uh, and I'll be back to being an <laughs> Orioles fan next year, but I've been following the Brewers, and they've been having quite the uh, playoff run, trying to make the playoffs in the last couple weeks, and so that's been exciting. Uh, you know, maybe the Orioles, at the end of this year, they can uh, just get together, kind of celebrate the year, go to Chuck E. Cheese's, and uh, have some some good fun. Um, have they you been to Chuck E. Cheese's it. lately yourself? I mean, you have little kids. I thankfully have not been to Chuck E. Cheese's in many years. <laughs> I have not either. I cannot remember the, the last time I've been in a Chuck E. Cheese's. I'm not even sure if we have one here in Augusta. I think that we do, but I, I'm just not sure. Um, you know, tell me, I, how good is your memory? My memory is pretty good, and I will say based on my memory of Chuck E. Cheese, I think if I got invited to a birthday party from one of my kids at Chuck E. Cheese's, I think I'd be singing songs lament from the Psalms. That's, I'd say you probably have a pretty good memory. Well, do you remember that – a little over two years ago, we talked about the expectations of fun in ministry settings and that kind of thing, asking the question, is your church a spiritualized Chuck E. Cheese's? Do you remember that? I do remember that, and it's hard to believe, speaking of memory, we've been doing this for like three years now. Uh, yeah, I know. I was just I was realizing that just recently preparing. So today, though, we want to revisit that question, looking at it from a different angle. And so, and maybe not completely throwing fun under the bus. And I don't think that we did that earlier. Um, we just that shouldn't be your primary goal when you're thinking about how to plan your ministry. Um, but we want to think through the topic of fun biblically and theologically as it relates, relates to our families, but also to age-graded ministry uh, in the church. So what is fun at its core? So I looked up some different definitions uh, from online and kind of uh, mixed them together. Uh, I think it's having a pleasant, happy, and exciting experience. In a lot of ways, I think the best way to kind of illustrate what fun is is uh, riding down a water slide because at its core, uh, <laughs> going down a water slide is, is fun incarnate. It's funny that you mentioned that because we rode water slides when we got together what's been like a month or so ago, um, and we were talking about f the topic of fun and how when you're an adult, you, you try to act like things that are fun are not fun. And uh, so you shared with me that you were riding the water slides like the night before, and these adults are giving you dirty looks, and you're like, I don't care. It's fun. You, you, you can sit over there if you want. It was um, delightful, and they would have been delighted if they had done it too. And the water, I had a fun time uh, with the water slides myself. Um, I, I like the, the definition that you gave. I actually looked up dictionary.com and I, I liked the way they put it that it provides mirth. Something that's fun provides mirth. Or And I looked up mirth and it's <laughs> gaiety or jollity. 
So I like those even better. So we're going to have some gaiety and jollity hopefully today in our conversation. Isn't it fun when you need a dictionary to define the the definition of a dictionary and then you need a, another dictionary to define the <laughs> definition of that one? It is fun. And, you know, I had heard the word mirth and knew that it went with pleasantness, but I, I wasn't exactly sure of the definition. So looked it up. So what do you personally consider fun besides water slides? Um, or how do you try to have fun personally? Or do you? You're just like, ah, just... You know, some people I think have perceived me as being kind of stoic. And I don't think I'm as stoic as some people might perceive me to be. I, I do enjoy something that we talked about uh about an hour ago, but uh, as far as listeners are concerned, we talked about two weeks ago exactly, and that's uh, playing video games. <laughs> I do enjoy playing video games from time to time. Uh, I also enjoy swimming. I, I think it's fun to go swimming, especially with the family. Uh, and with the family, it's uh, it's fun to go wrestling, to wrestle with the kiddos, you know, to play around with them, horse around with them on the floor or whatever. And, you know, one thing that's coming up right not long after this podcast is posted up is Halloween. And we really enjoy. We have a lot of fun with all that goes together with Halloween. Uh, it's funny. I, last night we were on the floor in one of our kids' bedrooms tickling and uh, wrestling and that kind of thing. And it was fun until the, the biggest and strongest of the kids sort of. Uh, put me down for the count with a knee. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> as they get older, they they're able to hit with more force. They are. Um, you know, I, I enjoy having fun, and I, I think people might view me even more stoic than you. I, I don't know. I've never like done a poll or something, but I do enjoy having fun and, and mirth and gaiety and jollity <laughs> and such things. I also I like exercising uh, and and learning about it. I like watching and playing sports playing with my family, that, that kind of thing. Should fun be a part of our family life? Or is it sort of, yeah, it doesn't really matter? I think it definitely should be. We were meant to enjoy this life together uh, with our families. Again, this goes back to something you talked about in our last podcast. Uh, and even if that's not what we live for, we don't live for fun. Uh, we don't live to enjoy it up in this life. But I think it's good and right. And we were meant to enjoy life together. Uh, I think also... And we should probably have fun together uh, in addition to the fun that like our kids have with their friends. You know, there should be times where our kids have fun together with us and that kind of family time rather than them just seeing fun is what they do with their friends when they hang out with their friends. But we shouldn't only have fun. But I think at the same time, your kids do really well to see you having fun. And I think it really helps you be more relatable and seen less as stoic by your own children when you have fun with them. Yeah, I really like what you said there about them associating with, with you and not just what they do when they go off with their friends. Um, and I think because of some of my personal tendencies and then some influences I had in college um, from a couple of different angles, I can kind of have some ascetic tendencies now, I mean, I don't go off and, you know, stand on a pole in the desert and some of the stuff that people <laughs> did. Um, but I can just sort of think, oh, that's the way to go. And and I think there is a time and a place for, you know, I mean, Christians are called to sacrifice. Um, but we're not only called to sacrifice all the time. I mean, we, we talked about on the, that last episode of the video games of enjoyment, um, mm -hmm. enjoying God, receiving his gifts with thanksgiving. Um, and he's given us these gifts to enjoy. And so fun can be a part of that, uh, definitely. 
So what benefits, I mean, you kind of named some of them, but anything else that, that comes to mind, what benefits that might come from our family having fun together? Like I said, it's definitely bonding. Uh, but I think also fun can be worshipful and that we can have a worshipful mentality. And I think even we can carry in that fun into study the Bible and even worshiping in a song. It's right and good to have fun in that, just as long as that's not the end unto it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're you're sharing positive emotions with each other, remembering those. Um, it can also help kids develop and learn skills. Um, kids who don't play enough and, and just have kind of unstructured fun uh, can demonstrate a lot of bad traits. It's been found like aggression, unhappiness, this kind of thing. And so it's important for them to do that. Um, and what better way, you know, to do it with mom and dad. Uh, and interestingly, going on with a video game conversation, um, some suggest that the kind of fun that you would have over a, a digital screen is different than, uh, you know, just running around playing some sort of unstructured activity. Uh, and so we want to be, you know, now what we define as fun and, and, and all those different ways that I'm not trying to make a super, uh, hard point on that, but I, I did find it interesting. And if, if those who listened to the previous episode might find it of interest, but you think, I mean, people that are involved in organizational leadership and that kind of thing, these, uh, leadership retreats and activities, team building activities have become very popular because people have seen the benefit of them. People are working mm -hmm. together for something. Um, they're rather than just their, their work. And so they're building connections that the work itself doesn't, but then they can carry it into the work. And so, um, I think there's a lot of benefit there. Is there any connection between a family working together to have fun and then working to have fun in a ministry setting? Do you see any kind of overlap? So I think yes in ways because, I mean, we are spiritually family as a church, as a, as a body of Christ together. We are called to be that kind of spirit. I mean, that terminology is over and over again used. So I think parallels in that do go accordingly. But I think we also do relate uh, as more than just fellow club members. You know, I think people that are part of a, you know, the kind of club, part of a club together, just recognize and join together based upon some kind of shared common interest. I, I think it can be almost a, um, a staleness to that kind of relationship. Uh, but we're to be more than that. We're to be people that really get plugged into each other's lives, have a good time together, but also grow in Jesus together, which sometimes involves having a good time, sometimes involves, you know, enjoying something together or, you know, playing a, a pickup football game together. Yeah, you're right that we are a, the family of God. Um, we've been brought into his very family, but we are, there are two different settings. Uh, I think we have to remember the purpose of the two institutions in those settings, you know, what the family is about. Family is for teaching. I mean, we talk all about that uh, every episode, how the family is the, the center point of discipling our ch the children that God's entrusted to us. But the church plays a role as well. And so a family's got a, a number of different things going on, um, as opposed to when the church is gathered. There are a number of different things going, but it's a little bit more focused. Um, and so, I mean, here's an example, like we may, at my house, we might spend an evening eating ice cream and watching a movie. Now this is just me. Um, 
plenty of other people disagree. Maybe you disagree, but I'm probably not going to plan that during my normal ministry programming time. We may do it as some special event yeah. at some point. No, I agree with um, that. You know, but we get much less time to teach the Bible. Some of those kids we see once or twice a month. Yep. And so I want to capitalize while making it engaging. It's not just, you know, t- turn in your you know, copy of Summa Theologica to uh-huh. page 1095, and we'll pick up at the next paragraph. I, you know, that's not real helpful. Uh, really, at any stage, I do want to make take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, but I'm not saying I'd never do it. Maybe I would sometime. But um I think it's just they, they are doing two different things. Yeah. Um, so should fun have – should it have a part in age-graded ministry? Or is that just sort of American commercialism? And I think absolutely it should. But one thing I do want to add to our discussion about the church having fun is we do always need to remember that one day there's going to be a big, big yard where we can play football. Uh, <laughs> Inside joke. Uh, But I think that we definitely should have fun in age-graded ministry. Uh, I don't think that that means we should not by any stretch go out of our way to be unfun. You know, we shouldn't be uh, (laughs) the... That the teacher from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know, that seemed to just see fun as evil, that uh, went out of his way to make sure that if there's any fun in something, I'm going to take it away and remove it. Uh, But I think that being said, uh, I mean, it shouldn't be the main thing, uh, but fun can relax people. And I think it can also calm people's minds to learn about uh, God, to learn the truth from God's word after a long day at school, for example. So, I mean, we actually, in our youth ministry, we start with uh, games. And one of the reasons why we start with games, honestly, is because, you know, if you're late, we'd rather you uh, be late for games than (laughs) late for the Bible (laughs) study. Uh, But also because... You know, I think it helps the kids that have had a long day and that are exhausted to kind of calm their minds down, uh, calm their bodies down even so that they can be prepared to learn, you know, so that they're not, you know, antsy like they've been from uh, being in school all day, you know. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I think it was Spurgeon who said that he liked to open up with humor, little gaiety and jollity to to get his uh, his hearers to open up like a, a clam or something, and then he could stick a fork in there and with the you know pierce them with the truth. Um, <clears throat> I think there's something to it. Uh, you know, kids and youth and really even adults. I mean, they naturally we we naturally want to have fun to some extent. Um, it's just it can't be the primary goal. I think in that that episode about Chuck E. Cheese that we did a couple years back, you know, we I quoted from some other podcasts I had heard where they said, you know, when you an adult walks out of some sort of ministry thing, is the first question we ask them, well, did you have fun? Uh huh. And you know that if that tells us something like that, probably shouldn't be the first thing we ask our children. That's setting the bar really low. Yeah. Um, it's a good thing, but it shouldn't be what's driving the train. Um, no, not. So, what biblical evidence, you know, text and themes shape your thinking on this? Yeah, so I think there are a couple passages that really came to my mind. Uh, and last uh, podcast we had, we talked some about Ecclesiastes, but mm-hmm. Ecclesiastes came back to mind in this, and specifically a verse in uh, Ecclesiastes three thirteen. Uh, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all its toils. That is God's gift to man. So, I mean, that's not the purpose of life, 
but it is God's gift to man to eat and drink and take pleasure in all that you do. I mean, that's certainly an act of fun that Solomon describes. Uh, and Zechariah 8.5 actually predicts a day in the kingdom, a day of what will come ultimately, I think, when the kingdom is fulfilled in Christ's second coming. And he says, in the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. And I don't think that means a literal thing, but I think it means that we're going to have a place in our kingdom that it's going to have this kind of joy and gaiety and fun even in the kingdom of God. And it's right and good for that to be the case. Mm. So, so kids playing Fortnite in the streets won't be a thing. No, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't think they're going to be owning any noobs in the street. Ecclesiastes is where my mind went, um, and just this general uh, Ecclesiastes eight. Uh, so I commend enjoyment because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat, drink, and enjoy himself. Mm-hmm. For this will accompany him in his labor during the days of his life that God gives him under the sun. Uh, and, and we can multiply those references. Uh, I think another verse that came to mind is in Psalm 103:14, and this is I'm taking this slightly out of context and acknowledge that, but I think there is something here. Uh, it says that God remembers our frame, that we are but dust. Um, he has made us and constructed us in such a way uh, that the the things that fun offers, the the gaiety and the jollity. Um, even doing frivolous things sometimes is something that's almost needed. And you talked about, you know, starting off with a game because these kids have been in school all day. Um, they've been institutionalized and they're antsy. And I mean, I'm working with kids on Wednesday night and the level of antsiness is probably higher. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're, they're coming in and running and it's like, no, 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 sit down, stop shouting my name. Um, and so, you know, now maybe we, we work against ourselves. We play this verse game where they have to fill in the blank, and if they get it right, you know, we throw them a piece of candy. But we only give we give them small pieces, you know. But uh, I think the kids genuinely find that fun. Uh, but just remembering their frame, like kids find it enjoyable, and so trying to appeal to that as we're trying to give them spiritual truth. One other passage that did just come to my mind too, I think that's relevant to this is, you know, in the product the story of the prodigal son. I mean, what happens when the prodigal son comes home? They have a pretty big party. And that sounds pretty fun, that party where they get the best, uh, the food, and uh, they're enjoying themselves. They're having fun to celebrate what God, that God has brought home this prodigal son. I mean, I think that's a great example, too. So are there dangers to intentionally involving fun in our ministry programming and efforts? I think it can become the overriding vision that changes how we do things. So we all have kind of a main vision. I think often, whether we admit or not, the pursuit of fun can become really the main thing. Uh, I think it communicates that the less fun things simply aren't as important when we really elevate fun. And so as a result, you know, a lot of our young people grow up and, and they know how to play a gaga ball or dodgeball really well. And they know it's great to have fun with their friends, but they don't really learn to value treasuring the word of God. Uh, and I think it might communicate that the word is powerful without our, that uh, is pretty powerless, is not able to do much without our polishing, without our making it more fun. The word of God really can't reach these people. And I think it's kind of the height of arrogance to act like God's word can't work unless we pep it up for people. 
Uh, and uh, and I think ultimately it needs to be added that what you win them with is what you win them to. So if we win them with fun, we win them to be lovers of fun that get excited about fun. And when that fun goes away, they go away too. Uh, so I think we tend to rely on what's fun uh, that uh, to certain people as well. And I think that's another error is that when we talk about what's fun in youth or children's ministry, we tend to be thinking about what's fun to the kind of the selected crowd, the crowd that we specifically want to reach, even when it might not be fun to every one of our youth uh, or children. So, you know, our kids are going to be diversified and different. And so I think also then it can have that negative impact of kind of creating a select chosen group when we over elevate these fun activities. That's an excellent point. Uh, and depending on the diversity of the kids that you're serving or the area that you're in, that can be um, it can be a problem. Um, but yeah, I thought you brought some really good points to the table there uh, that the fun can overshadow, even without realizing it, it can overshadow what our ultimate aim should be and what the Bible has called us to be as a church. Um, and you know it can, Fun can draw a crowd, but then, you, like you said, it, you've got to keep going, and then it can be like, oh, man, that ch- other church is doing this, or this other place is doing this. we got to do it bigger, and then we've got to keep on, and uh, it can just uh, – it can be a problem. And I know of a church um, that uh, – I'm familiar with a number of teenagers who have gone to some ministry program, and not all of them, but – Several of them said, we, we kind of just played the whole time. There really wasn't much Bible. And, and they saw that as a problem. Like they, they recognized the value of the Word of God and that they didn't get it there. But they had a lot of fun at this other thing. But that's not really, I mean, to me, that just seems like a lost opportunity. You had the thing that can give hope, that can save our souls, that can uh, bring about transformation. And playing Gaga Ball or whatever else can't do that in the end. So, Tony, in the wide landscape of the American church, or at least the section that you're familiar with, what place have you observed that fun has as it relates to age-graded ministry? I think more often than not, sadly, it has taken first place. And I think Mm -hmm. that this is shown in more than just experience. I mean, there's widely known statistics and knowledge about a lack of biblical literacy among those who grew up in church and youth group. Uh, and I think the only way that that's possible is if uh, it's been truncated uh, by fun, that the extreme lack of biblical literacy. And, you know, I know that examples of test cases of personal experiences are not always the most powerful thing. But I do I remember uh I remember relatively recently I met with somebody that uh, grew up as a teen and a youth group that's been in our area. And he talked to some of the other um, teens that went to the same youth group at the same time that he did. And uh, he told me that they concluded that they all remember a great deal of different games and how every week they always had a new and exciting game or a new version of one of their favorite old games. But they honestly could all, between all of them, they could only really remember one lesson that they feel like was just repeated every single time. Uh, (laughs) And uh, and I think that's kind of telling. But then, I mean, we see this in children's ministry as well, especially in something that you mentioned before. I mean, like that video that we think we've talked about before that asks, you know, 
the first thing to ask your kid when you're picking him up after children's lesson is, did you have fun? Um, I, I try to be careful in my own analysis because, like I said earlier, I can tend to be kind of too business and forget the fun. And I've grown and come to realize, like, okay, especially with children, uh, the need for them to move and, and use multiple senses in their learning and that that can still be uh, – I, I don't know if it's original to her, but we interviewed Connie Dever a long time ago uh, with the Praise Factory, and she talked about it in her their curriculum – having conduits of truth. It's these ways that the truth can flow through through different activities, whether it's food or yeah. acting and out or singing. And so those can be especially helpful to children as they're developing uh, and even teenagers and let's face it, even adults. Yeah, I just I want to be charitable, but at the same time, I think fun has replaced Bible and gospel as kind of what's being having center stage. Um, so should we try to plan because you're you're in youth ministry more so, and so there, from what I've seen, there can be a bigger emphasis on this kind of thing with youth. But should we try to plan lots of fun social events and this kind of stuff, you know, to kid keep kids off the streets and out of trouble? I, you know, I don't know if we should. Uh, should is a strong word, but we definitely can plan these events. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it. I'm not sure that a kingdom-focused goal really, though, is keeping kids away from lost people, keeping them off the street. When we look at things from a kingdom perspective, uh, maybe that makes them a little bit less safe. I don't know what we want to look at it. I think maybe we're naive if we even think that. Uh, but I think it can be helpful uh, to organize times of Christian community fun for those who can't do it otherwise. So, for example, uh, actually, we had a meeting recently among some of our parents for youth ministry, and we are just kind of allowing them to have a voice and whether or not we do a monthly kind of fun event. And uh, the and one of the parents brought up rightly, you know, that uh, in terms of having something every month, that my kid can't, my junior higher can't plan this kind of thing. And, you know, and they would rather have them having this kind of bonding experience at the church rather than just kind of sitting around and not, not having something to do. And I think it's that's okay, so long as it's not the main thrust that we have. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that kind of thing. I, I agree that they can be helpful. Uh, I think we do need to recognize that they're probably a little more recent in the history of the church. Uh, Part of that, I think, is for a long time, there wasn't a, a distinct youth culture um, because adolescents weren't all pulled together in high schools really until the 20th century. And so you didn't have as much of you know the teenage culture and the marketing to teenagers and just the everything that goes with it, these um, you know all the gaiety and jollity and yeah. you know frivolous kind of things. Um, it's a more of a recent trend, but I mean, for most people who are alive now, that's all they've known. And so I think you want to have a spiritual goal in mind though. Um, and, and even trying to enlist people that are looking to have intentional spiritual conversations or just meaningful conversations with the people that are coming, that can be a real aid to, to kind of bridge that gap between we're just going to have fun and remembering we are the church. Will having lots of fun at church give kids positive associations with Jesus and his church that's going to lead to lasting spiritual benefit for them? That, that's um, kind of a, a popular idea out there. Uh, yeah, it's possible. I mean, I think there are probably even examples where it has happened, maybe. At least people cite that it has in their own life. 
Uh, but I think there's very, very little evidence uh, that that's the case. And I think one of the reasons why we can see that there's little evidence is that oftentimes actually uh, kind of bare bones or non-existent programs for those kind of age groups can produce just as good, if not even better, faith retention rates than those who have the most dynamics and a dynamic thing and always have something fun going on. Uh, so I don't think that there's a ton of evidence that's definitively to support it, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. Uh, you know, I actually think of there was an event, a big event that combined a bunch of different programs I knew of, of, of youth ministries, actually, uh, that was really targeted on, on engaging with lost people and making sure that they have a hugely positive view of the church. Uh, and and they didn't even stress as much giving the gospel, but they wanted to show that you know Christianity can be fun. And uh, you know I engaged with some of the people that are involved in that kind of thing, uh, and I think that there was a great opportunity to try to get to know people for Jesus. But even in that kind of experience, I think most of those times there's really little lasting growth, and that seems to be the case with this event that I'm referring to. Uh, there's no real evidence of lasting growth as a result of this kind of thing. Uh, and I think actually too much of that kind of stuff could make them see church as frivolous and just a worse entertainment option than what the world has to <laughs> offer. Well, and it's interesting too because I mean I was talking to a parent of of a teenager recently, and they were and they were uh, noting how much uh, their teenager perceived. A kind of a frivolous uh, approach uh, that kind of just fun, the constant fun uh, drive that they saw somewhere else uh, as kind of like Christianity was just insignificant. It was just kind of just shallow, basically. Uh, that mm. was how they perceived that Christianity from that. And I think some people will inevitably, if even if it's not right away, maybe when they go to college, they'll come to think, well, that experience was just frivolous and shallow. Yeah, now I can go to the club and uh, or go tailgate at the the game, and that's frivolous too. And um, uh-huh. yeah, I mean it's really not that big of a jump. And I remember it's I don't remember what we were talking about, but you referenced some statistics where basically what you summarized kind of what you were saying about um, people that had all this stuff going on um, that the faith retention rates for like you know, for the teenagers and the kids coming out of that environment were actually less in some cases. I think that you're right, Tony. Um, I think that it may happen that, that these positive associations may come. The Lord is free and sovereign and he can use all kinds of means. I heard of a guy who moved from China where he grew up to Australia and uh, heard the gospel from Bart Simpson, or really heard the the Colonel. He didn't really hear the full gospel, but he heard something when he was like 12 years old, watching Bart Simpson in China uh, or the Simpsons, and it said Jesus Christ is their Savior. He died for something like that. I mean, it was that short. And then he got to Australia, got hooked up with some campus ministry, and he wanted to know more. And they said, Well, how did you come to hear about this? He goes, Oh, it was on Bart Simpson and or the Simpsons. And Okay, you got to explain that a little That's bit. That's funny. But the Lord used that as something to just get his mind directed towards that. Um, and so the Lord can use, he could use some dumb game. Um, but I think the temptation can be to rely on the funness factor and highlight that. Um, and like I mentioned that church earlier that I'm, I know of, um, that there's a high emphasis on that from what I observe. I, I don't really have firsthand knowledge. It didn't seem to be 
the, the emphasis wasn't on God's word. I mean, God yeah. commanded us to go teach them to observe what Jesus commanded us, um, not to have cool games and facility. Um, so, I mean, that really, that conversation pushes it even further back. Can we fund kids, kids into the kingdom? I mean, can can we uh, just make it so awesome that, that that's going to pave the way to glory? Yeah, it's interesting uh, that you asked that question. I mean, I definitely don't think we can, uh, but I think sometimes we treat it like we can fund them into the kingdom. Uh, sometimes we approach that uh, this kind of thing, like we're trying to uh, sell tickets to a big amusement park around us is Hershey Park. Uh, and so getting them into the kingdom is like, as I like advertising to sell tickets to that fun to show how fun Hershey Park is so that you can get them excited about going to Hershey Park and commit their lives, commit their Saturday to going to Hershey Park. Uh, but I think we need more than just the ability to cough over a couple uh, that uh, like 50, 60 bucks in cash. It's ridiculously expensive, by the way, because we live in the East Coast, you know. Uh, <laughs> And actually, we need heart change. We need to be fundamentally changed at our heart to come to the gospel. Uh, we need to be born again, Scripture says. Uh, we need a heart of stone to become a heart of flesh. Uh, and I think it's possible that this kind of fun stuff, the funness makes them see us as kind and even caring about them so that they might be open to the gospel. Uh, but the ones fund will a fund in will be fund out eventually. The only thing that can save someone is God divinely using His Word and His Gospel and the ways that He's ordered us to proclaim it to change an old heart and to make it a new heart. God is free and alive; He can use whatever means that He chooses, um, like the Simpsons. Um, and he spoke through a donkey. Um, but we shouldn't be mistaken that if we just use the right methods, then new birth will come or spiritual and numerical growth will come. Um, that was kind of the methodology of people like Charles Finney, the yeah. Second Great Awakening. Um, that if we just get the, the conditions just right, you get them down there to the anxious bench, you put some psychological pressure. And I mean, he had some deficient theology in a lot of ways, um, you know, and, and that's just really hard to defend biblically. But there can be that thinking, particularly within age-graded ministry, oh, if we don't make it fun, they won't come. And again, you, you don't want to make it as boring as possible. Um, you do We do want people to come to these things, but it's just one of those things It's so hard. It can be hard to keep things in proper perspective. And I don't even want to say balance because that would seem to indicate that – you know, passing on biblical truth and fun should be right there, even in the balances. It shouldn't be. Um, I think we want it to be engaging uh, and that they enjoy their time, but passing on God's truth, because that is the means that, that God has ordained for, for change to come, um, that's got to weigh more significantly. Um, so what benefits might arise from planning to have fun in church ministry settings? I mean, it's, it's not going to save them. I think one maybe silly thing I'll mention is I think it will help us not take ourselves too seriously, which can be important, uh, can be important for us not to think we're just a bunch of, you know, uh, ivory tower scholars, uh, but instead we're real people and, you know, and we can laugh and make fun of ourselves and, and be goofy. You know, I think we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously. Uh, and I think also, like just like we mentioned with a family, bonds through having fun, through even playing video games like we talked about a couple weeks ago, 
Uh, I think we also bond through having fun as a ch- as a church. Uh, as a youth group, as a children's ministry, we can bond together through that kind of thing, uh, through planned times of having fun within reason, within definitive moderation. I like that. I mean, just not taking yourself too seriously. And with most children that I'm dealing with, that's not really an issue. With youth, it can get a little bit more like, oh, I'm too cool to do that, man. Uh, and adults, they can be the same issue. So I, I do like that answer. I actually know a youth leader that, uh, in light of that kind of mentality, he calls the game time of the church, he calls them lame games, uh, because nobody can say that, uh, do be too serious about themselves and say, hey, that game is lame, because they'll just say, yeah, of course, they're lame games. So just kind of bringing things to a point, how should we try to think carefully, biblically and theologically, about our approach to fun in ministry settings, we, we realize that it is a staple of you know Western American white middle class uh, culture, and that that's that's what we're in. Now we have listeners probably not in that, but that's what we're in. Um, we we know that's just a reality, but we also recognize that the church is not a fun factory. How should we be aware of that and and realize that you know that the church is not Chuck E. Cheese? I think one of the things. Uh, that is important is be careful about language that might undermine or actually reveal our theology in ways that we don't want to reveal it. Uh, so, for example, I mean, I know of people that would refer to times that are not our study of Scripture as the most important times of ministry uh, when they're times where it's just kind of having fun. Even we had a time sometime recently where I I had to, where I kind of slipped up even my language. We had a week off of the traditional teaching with our youth. Actually, we had kind of a fall kickoff, which I think is fine in moderation. Uh, but I, I I think I accidentally used language that almost suggested not having the the lesson that week was in any sense really a positive or something that that was really better about this week. Uh, and I think we have to be careful of that, that kind of thing. I think also we should give positive portrayal about uh, things like the sermon with young people. Because, you know, when we think about fun, I don't know anybody that would think that an exegesis of Scripture, an application of Scripture, is the thing that makes them the most giddy and gives them the most fun possible. But that's okay. Right. It's good for them. But I think... Uh, and so sometimes we can portray negatively, especially the young people, the sermon time. Uh, and I think we have to be careful then, and we should give a positive portrayal of the sometimes boring sermon uh, for the young people and show how important it, is, important it is, even though it's not something that's going to make them super excited and give them the most fun possible. I think it's also, this kind of thing is somewhat of a question of what you can do in 10 years versus what you can do in one year. I think there are times in which we can't make radical decisions and radical changes on the fun case, lest uh, we kind of lose people for the sake of our vision. Uh, And sometimes we just kind of progress towards this by setting vision slowly and intentionally. Uh, But also the fun as the fun as a way to reinforce lessons idea, like much of like uh, we talked about with the Devers, like with uh, Connie Dever does with her curriculum, I think can be an important activity, even while realizing it won't be the most fun thing to do to have uh, an activity that's really there more to reinforce what you're trying to teach. Actually, an example that I really was uh, found success in in my time in children's ministry is one time we were teaching through the Ten Commandments, uh, teaching about the Ten Commandments. 
And uh, for a game time, instead of just thinking what was fun and for a game, I decided to come up with a game where the kids will all be blindfolded and spun around. And then they have to try to knock down uh, 10 pins, 10 bowling pins with this plastic bowling ball. And of course, none of them could. And the point <laughs> was, you know, the, uh, that uh, the blindfold was sin, was our, our sinful flesh. And it was showing how in our sin, we are blind. And in our sin, we cannot obey and fully obey the law that God has given to us. And then I kind of showed how Jesus comes in and knocks down those pins for us. And that probably wasn't the most fun activity ever, but it was a way to use fun as a, as an opportunity to reinforce what we're trying to teach. I like that. And I think depending on if the kid was really competitive, they're like, all right, I'm going to get up there. I'm going to knock those pins down. Those other kids couldn't do it, but I'm going to do it. Um, we like have that, that happen. I think just yeah. overall, you, you thought through that well. Um, I don't really have anything to add to it. Uh, but I just want to ask, did you experience jollity, gaiety, mirth in this conversation? <laughs> I think so. I, I tend to experience gaiety through almost all of our conversations. That's good. That's good. And, and you and I have shared a lot of, a lot of mirth uh, over the years. So I, I'm thankful for <laughs> your friendship and, uh, and for this conversation because I think it is an important thing to consider, especially in age-graded ministry where – I mean, we talked about, we've observed that that train of fun is sort of what's driving. And then, well, yeah, we're going to throw some Bible on there too, but it's just not the driving force. And so um, hope it's beneficial to those who listen to where they're ministering. I do not listen to this while you're riding down a water slide. It might be fun, but it's not safe. <laughs> so they make Bluetooth speakers, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So thanks I for listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.